Welcome to our newest adventure for first responder wellness. No one fights alone. In-depth conversations about mental health and culture in the first responder space. We're joined by your co-hosts, Austin Pedersen and Brad Shepard. Welcome back to the No One Fights Alone podcast, where we honor the men and women of our nation's first responder community by having difficult conversations about the challenges they face every day. You know, we're, we're still here in California, uh, still at IACP, uh, get, getting, it's been a good conference, you know, it, it has, don't you think? It has been, uh, amazing. Uh, so many great people running around, getting to meet, visit, talk, communicate, uh, just getting to know them personally, getting to know about their passions, uh, what their struggles and hurdles are. Had a great conversation today with a guy about his How's he going to change culture within his department? It's just been a real uh, enjoyment to visit with a lot of different people while we're here. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I learned that COVID really did impact this conference, and this is the first year that it seems to be growing again. You're really going to feel the excitement uh, among, there's a buzz among the participants that are here, really enjoying the connections. And uh, one of the one of the comments that was made was that people are here for, you know, a different reason than the normal IACP It's this is the wellness conference and people are looking and striving to improve their department's wellness program and how we can keep our officers healthy. So it's been, it's been nice. Well, it's, it's cool to see the West coast version, right? Like I think the last couple of years, a lot of things that, that I've been a part of have been central or East coast. Sure. And so this is the first time that uh, I've gotten a chance to see a little bit of the different parts of wellness across the country. Uh, California has always been, nobody goes to those ones on the East coast from California. Like it's their, it's its own little sector. So it's good to see that uh, across the country, there's, there's definitely some very similar views when it comes to uh, taking care of uh, public safety. But in saying that, uh, of course, we are super thankful to have another guest on. Uh, She has been on the podcast before and she's, staring darts into me right now. No, one of the, the most popular episodes that we've had on here, uh, actually the second most listened to, uh, she, she didn't make it to number one, but she was close. Uh, and that is Nicole Jude from Indianapolis. Nicole. Hello. Hi, Nicole. Hi. No, we're, we're glad to have you back on. Of course, you guys made it out here to uh, this conference because you guys are one of the staples, you know, in the country when it comes to wellness. You know, we talked a lot about how your guys' peer support team was built uh, last time you were on. Talked a lot about resources, talked about a lot about, you know, what you guys do a little bit differently. But how, how do you feel about the conference so far? Yeah, I, I think it's great. I um, ICP always does everything right. And I do the energy, like you said, Brad, the energy is amazing, this, this conference especially. And I've been attending conferences like this for a really long time at this point and to watch them grow over time and see how the word of wellness is spreading is refreshing and I love the connections the the genuine connections that happen because that's what wellness is at the end of the day it's relationships and that's really refreshing to see in the in the police community where we end up so siloed frequently and thinking that we, what we have going on is just pertinent to us. So to see the movement, it's amazing. So you, I'm assuming you've gone in 2019, 2020, probably to this. So I don't 
remember what the first year would have been, but yes, I've been to several um, IACBs and then IS, IACP OSW specific. So do you think it's grown? Absolutely. Like uh, we're talking three, four, five times what it originally yeah. was? Yeah. I, and I was actually just saying to, some, to someone earlier today that when I first started in the unit, which was 2015-ish, um, the middle of 2015, well, the beginning of 2015, you know, you would come to a wellness conference in policing and there would be maybe, I don't know, a hundred people would be presenting in front of, you know, like literally dozens of people. And then yesterday for our mentoring panel, the room was full and it wasn't a small room. It was a large room. And so my thinking is now we're just not focusing on wellness, but we're focusing on really all these subsidiaries that matter that are the components to wellness. And that's huge. I think that's really amazing. So it was both at FOP and here. Your guys' room was completely full then. Mm-hmm. So was it same general concept, like where you guys were reaching out to the, you know, people sitting in the crowd and, and having them ask you questions? Or what were you guys working on? Yeah. So this this presentation at ICP was um, with the cops office and CryTAC. Um, and it was a panel specific to mentoring. And the FOP conference, Deputy Chief Cunningham, who we answered directly to in wellness, Lieutenant Baker and I did a presentation about just the decade of growth that we've had um, and what that's looked like over time. I mean, we've been formally in existence for 13 years. So that was really about what those growth points are and, you know, for mistake avoidance and just lessons learned and where we are because wellness will never be stagnant when you're in people's lives it's always changing and and we have to be able to pivot and maneuver with that so for <clears throat> for those out there that may be maybe unfamiliar or on the front end of starting wellness program or a peer support team even um let's let's visit some of those challenges what you know experiential speaking uh maybe something we talk about today could could prevent a um going down a path that could be harmful to their team what Maybe if there's a challenge or two that you'd want to talk about, what what might be something that you could discuss and say, hey, this is a this is this is a real thing. This is this is something real that maybe you could avoid going down. Yeah. So I think a large part of what we do in our office is so we're there's four sworn at, right now in our office, and part of our job is I always say I'll sit in the ship with an officer all day long. I, I will always be here. I'll always be on the other end of the phone. But at the end of the day, I'm a cop. And so it's my job as a wellness officer to transfer the trust that I've built with our culturally competent resources so those officers can get where they need to be. And so being able to vet those resources on a continued basis um, and making sure that, you know, they are doing what they need to be doing for our people. And that looks different. You know, how we work with officers looks different in every situation. But so essentially, I think one of the most important things is outreach to your community. I think in law enforcement, we think that nobody wants to help us or nobody cares. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So the outreach to your community to find out who those They may be therapists that don't even know that they want to work with police, but they're very competent in trauma. Uh, We just met recently with a new group of therapists that radical acceptance is what they're they're preaching. And so, you know, just having the open mind about it that, you know, we've worked with hypnotherapists 
for people before. So like having the open mind to reach out to those people in your community that may want to help you, but we just don't know how to get there. So I think that is ultimately what can make a program successful from the beginning because as cops, we talk, we talk a lot, we talk a lot of shit, but when you have those successes as a wellness unit from the beginning and those people recover out loud, it's a snowball effect. Sure. And it's taken us a long time. I mean, you're effectively moving a really big ship and it takes time. That takes time. But at the same, to the same point, once it starts, I think it really rolls. We're pretty, uh, we're pretty narrow minded though, when it comes to exploring alternative options if we're looking at things, I love where you're going with this yeah. because we, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, here's the path. There's mm-hmm. only one path and you're talking about expanding your mind to all avenues of yeah. who can actually help. And my response to people when they say, oh, like I, I tell people all the time when I'm, when I meet with officers, which is really the cornerstone of our office and something that I am still very passionate about. I don't care what you go out on the street and say. Like, you can talk shit about this office. I've had officers that I've worked with in the office talk shit about the office in front of me to other people. And at that point, it has nothing to do with me. I swallow my pride and I move on. Maybe later I'm like, that's fucked up. But but they can say whatever they want. But there are four sworn officers in our unit that has a budget. We have a budget for our office. Command staff, a department's not going to put allocate resources if there's no utilization sure well i think it's interesting we were talking about it a little bit earlier but the the method which you have had to approach older officers versus newer officers right because brad's talking about hey you know in you know his generation of law enforcement there was the one way right i just got dated you did 100 <laughs> percent do you feel, and, and both of you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but do you feel like the younger generation doesn't have quite the same mindset and you have to deal with them differently? Yes and no. I think part of part of our model in Indianapolis is, and the mentoring program tries to head that off at the pass and saying like, from the first week, we just want you to talk about what's going on. And I think with the younger generation, just like with every generation in law enforcement, like we're all supposed to be tough. We want to look tough. You have to prove yourself. You have to prove yourself t- to do this job. And you that's constant. And so I think while there is a difference, there's also still that stigma of like, well, I'm just going to plow through this because I can or because I feel like I have to. That's fair. But also it's changed your job in a sense because these newer officers don't know. You don't have the same credibility maybe. Right. That and, you did with. Right. Yeah. And so that just becomes a constant re-education of, of our people um, and how and maneuvering to figure out how we, we respond to that. Because, um, yeah, like I said earlier, historically when our program started, we had people that had tenure longevity that went across the whole spectrum of the agency. And they knew us as people. They knew the other members of the unit as people before wellness officers. And now we've had, I mean, we've been running two or three classes a year for the last seven years. And so now those of us in the office are wellness officers before we're people. So we're more departmental in perception, I think. 
Yeah. Well, it's one of those where, I mean, they they don't have the same opportunity for the trust because I'm I'm guessing that most of you got picked for the wellness team because you were trusted by other officers. Yeah. I will say though that um, part of our messaging to them and them seeing like the recruits seeing our faces over time because we are constantly trying to just pursue them as well. So they they believe that wellness is entrenched in our culture and just normal. So we've had officer like the first place we had a horrific incident and the first place well, we've had multiple horrific incidents just like everywhere but the first place that this officer went was our office like literally left the scene and drove to our office and i think that says something like the person had worked with justin my co-worker and that was the first place he thought to go so that and that was younger i think a couple years on so um and I think that speaks volumes too. So, yeah. But it's that constant balance of like, how do you pursue that younger generation that's trying to still like earn the badge and earn the respect? It just looks a little different, I think. But but in addition to that, though, the the culture itself is changing as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes. So so there is a the, even though you're now known as wellness Nicole instead of street <laughs> officer Nicole. Yeah. Your, yeah. Is that your new nickname? Did we just come up with a no, new No, I really, though, I text you. I say, hey, this is Nicole from Wellness. <laughs> Nicole from Wellness. <laughs> Nicole from Wellness, not Nicole from the Street Cop gang. Oh, yeah. the, um, I mean, that's a identity change of sorts. Yeah, and you know, that's the other thing that John and I just had this conversation about. So since the beginning of the year, I have picked up, um, as of like two weeks ago, 18 new officers that had reached out, that had texted, that, that needed more than just like, can I have the number for this or the number for that? And so like having been in the unit this long, you build those relationships if you're doing it right and you establish. And so you don't ever really move on from anyone. And so the continued like balance of, I need to engage with this person. I want to engage with this person, but how do I, how do I balance that? Right? Because like I said earlier, then like Austin, you're going to tell Brad, like, just call Nicole and, you know, and to not engage with that would be detrimental to the program. So I guess this is where my self care plug comes in. Like I always do. Me and I mean, you got to give it nobody, nobody else talks about their self care. Really? Like, like on the wellness side, they forget themselves because they yeah. feel like they are so invested in their entire department yeah. that they don't talk about their own self. Very common. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, just full disclosure, I was there for a long time. I don't know if I talked about that last time on the one. You did. Yeah. Yeah. About the break I took and Mm -hmm. yeah. And I still have to be mindful about it. So, and that's hard. That's hard when like gauging what, what is actually crisis in someone's life feels like a huge responsibility. It is a huge responsibility. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is a huge responsibility. And um, we're really fortunate to have a team. Like we have our own little family now that we help each other balance that and figure that out too. So, so is there? Is it fair to say though that there are sometimes when, I mean, no matter how hard you try, you get maybe a little bit too emotionally oh, invested. Ab- yeah, absolutely. And is that when someone else from the team picks that yes. up and, and yeah. takes over maybe that officer yeah. or something like that? And we are we're really fortunate. John just got promoted to lieutenant, so Lieutenant Baker, Sergeant Hawkman. Officer Tusing and I 
are in the unit. And so it's not abnormal for me to say, Claire, who's technically my boss, like, I think you need to step away from this and let one of us take this because it seems like you're a little too close to the situation and vice versa. I mean, that looks, we have, we have to be able to critically and analytically think about things and know, like we've had outside therapists come in and talk about what our triggers are and burnt burnout. And so just that constant pulse on like what's going on. And that's also one of the reasons why, like if you're starting a unit, I understand staffing and like resources are difficult right now, but to do this job alone is exhausting, exhausting. And there's no, there's not, there's no longevity in that. There's just not. Mm -hmm. I know, uh, uh, you know, one, one example of a one man show um, literally went from, a uh, visit at a hospital, got a call of a shooting, had a heart attack on the way to the shooting. He um, finished his job there, drove himself to the local hospital and checked himself in after he finished his, that's, that's a one man show. That was years ago. Yeah. You know, those are all lessons learned, but I think, uh, you know, back to your point, circle back to your point of, you know, I used to teach within the peer support community that, that the rank, I love your concept there, that the rank really kind of uh, diminishes. It has to, diminish because you really have to have hard conversations with each other that are not rank based. These are what's best for the people we're serving, the community that we're serving. And if, if rank comes into the room, then it really diminishes the impact you can of the community you're Mm -hmm. serving, the officers you're serving. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think for like, for us that, that respect comes from the top down and the bottom up. So I'm never going to be overtly disrespectful to John or Claire. But they also create the space that allows me to speak openly so and freely. Um, And the same extends to Deputy Chief Cunningham, who this office, our office has worked under and for pretty much for the whole duration of the office. There's been a couple of times that I've called her and I've said, hey, ma'am, I know you have to say no to this. That's your job. But my job's just to ask you. So there's like just a large level of respect across the board and an understanding like this is my lane that I'm staying in right now. And every, everybody has to be bought into that. I mean, when you're you're asked the question, you have to give an honest response. Yes. Yeah. No, I don't want to answer that because I'm your boss. That's not okay. Right. And that, that takes like an emotional investment to some extent, a level of vulnerability that I think is really hard in our world to exhibit, to show. So Okay, so what does what does self care look like for you? Yeah, well, we talked about that before, and I stared at the wall for a second, didn't I? Yeah, before I said, yeah, um, because you were bragging about it, and then when you actually had to think about what it was, was going like, to be, shit, what do I actually do for self care? Yeah. Um. So the first thing is really my son, who is in sports and just brings me a large amount of joy, and then we, I have a really good like grounding network of friends that aren't in law enforcement that we spend a lot of time with. Um, my, um, one of my best friends has kids that Luke just gets along really beautifully with. So we spend a lot of time with them going out. I don't know. We like went mushroom hunting a couple weekends and just whatever that looks like with, um, that group of people. So, I mean, tell, tell us how important you think it is to have friends outside of law enforcement mm-hmm. as a law enforcement officer. Yeah, I mean, so that's well, what I was saying earlier. My boss, well, Claire, one of my bosses is one of my best friends as well. And so even the mind, like 
being mindful that we aren't talking about work. Like, let's just talk about the color of our nails or like what something that's that's not related to the office is, I feel like, very important because living and breathing the toxicity that exists. Not sustainable. No, 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 no. And then I took up golf within the last few years. The most been, frustrating thing in the world. Yeah, but I, I don't feel that way. Like, I feel like everybody sucks at golf. So I, it's less pressure for me because I'm like, well, I mean, I just, you know. Does Wallace Cole have a handicap? <laughs> oh, no, not yet. I'm working on it, though. <laughs> I am. Love the sand. <sighs> Had to say it. Yeah. Yeah. So what else? What So we're doing golf, the most frustrating thing in the world. Family is what I'm hearing. Yep. Friends, yeah. which is extremely important. I think outside. Right? Uh, yes. Outside, yeah. the, outside the culture. Yeah. 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 Are That's, you going to bring up the Peloton? Uh, oh, it's was, coming up. Yeah. So this is actually a hilarious story. Let's hear it. So I went into the office and I was like, hey, guys, I got a stationary bike <laughs> and over the weekend. And John was like, what would you say? And I said, yeah, I got like a like a spin bike and he's like why don't you just say you got a peloton <laughs> oh so he knew right away he's i didn't like, know what to say yeah. that i got a peloton because i knew they'd all be like oh you you know you're one yeah. of those yeah, yeah exactly uh, right now but just, john was just like johnny on the spot oh yeah well i'm just picturing you now you riding the bike with the girl that's like cheering you on the yes. whole time yeah yeah yeah. With a glass of wine in the cup holder. Yes. Yeah. Am I <laughs> not supposed to do that? <laughs> Slow down the go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So uh, exercise, right? Is that is that more like Yeah, just moving. moving. Like yeah. You know, I think too, when you have an inside job or you're in your squad car, like we gotta move. We gotta move. I think way more of us suffer from chronic pain as well than what yeah. we really imagine or understand. Like we just grow to accept it as a part of our everyday. So I've really, I've been working on that lately. Like just little walks, get up and walk and move. And it's the small things like the breath work and the, you know, mm-hmm. like taking the stairs. That's right. Or park like further away than what you really care to do. I mean, it's this, it's the purposefulness, I think, and just the intentionality of it. Mindfulness. I yeah. think that's a mindful practice Yeah. there. Of course. In, in one way or another. Yep. Right? Like, I'm, I've been bitching this whole trip because I broke my toe right before this. Oh, my gosh. And Is that the one I just stop. kicked? No. No. Oh, other okay. foot. <laughs> Can but, you put that other one over here? No. <laughs> these are steel-toed for a reason. Oh, uh, okay. They're not. It has been yeah. non-stop, Nicole. <laughs> yeah. My toe. My toe. Oh, my toe. no. I have pictures. I mean, it's the whole thing. Uh, what are you doing to care for yourself through that? The I walk in front of him and don't bitch okay. the whole time. Okay. Watch. No, Brad Watch Austin. Has, this is how you do it. Yeah. No, Brad has uh, <laughs> conveniently found himself hundreds yards away from the booth at all times during this. I actually have noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's he's always hear in me, the hallway. Yeah, he didn't want to hear me bitching. Uh, I don't blame him. Well, poor Tyler. I've seen him at the booth, though. He doesn't He's have just, a choice. Oh. Yeah. Steady, Tyler. Sorry, yeah. Tyler. Yeah. Tyler, yep. <laughs> we, no, we don't say sorry for Tyler, by the way. Oh. He's not there yet. Okay. So, well, let's circle back. Okay, let's let's ground that back to the, to the let's do a little pure sport uh, circling back. So, one of the, going back to the challenges, right? We've talked about some self-care stuff. We've talked about some hurdles. Uh, again, if there's somebody out there listening saying hey i want to i want to do something i want to move towards uh, a wellness program um how do we get started how wh- who, who do we look at 
Where do we go? What what kind of things would you maybe throw their way? Yeah. So, well, uh, CRITAC, um, Collaborative Reform Initiative, um, the Technical Assistance Center, they uh, will provide come like they have subject matter experts that will come in and help for a whole myriad of different titles and whatever an agency's looking for. So they have an, a wellness track for that. So um, basically the chief has to sign off on it, but it's completely free to the agency. And so I think that's been really productive for a lot of agencies, but you don't even necessarily need to go that formal. I mean, I, we're, and in, we're still rolling our program out in Indianapolis. We don't have a policy and we've been in operation for 13 years because it just, it, we've not found one that works. That was the best part about FOP and, was that yeah. I was sitting and watching in the back listening and I think seven or eight of the questions were, so what's your policy with this? And what's well, your policy with that? And John yeah. just like started laughing each and time. He's like, well. So that's, that's one of the things, honestly, that it's interesting to me Um because, you know, we have consulted and, and spoken with so many agencies from across this country, which has been a really cool experience, too. But the first question, like we can roadmap what the questions are going to be like, can I have your policy? Can I have your SOP? Can I have your we well, we don't have one, first of all. And but like wellness is people like not necessarily programming. So just because you have a policy doesn't mean that you can read into what a wellness program actually is or isn't. So I don't think you start with policy. I think you start with people and you start small and let it grow. However, it's going to grow for your agency and what that looks like is different depending on what your culture is. But you definitely have to have the right person or people in the seats to begin with. Because there's so many topics there that you can just challenge. Yeah. Sleep. Yes. Drinking. That's relationships. Right. That's right. I mean, and like yesterday we had a, a meeting um, with some other subject matter experts. And it was funny because we joked, I said, we needed one of the subject matter experts to come in and write our policy. And someone else was joking that they needed us to come in and help them with their mentoring because wellness programs are so robust and they look different everywhere that you can't just say we have, we have wellness. Like we, we, there's more breadth to, to it than that. Yeah. So I think, you know, and, and people know where they have traction. Like you have traction, if you have traction in the physical health arena, just pick that first. And then you just sprinkle in things along the way or, you know, I mean. Yeah, but there's also, they've got to realize probably some places that they lack, whether it's like a small department and they just don't have the resources of therapists mm -hmm. or psychiatrists or whatever yeah. in the area. Like they, you got to know that that's an issue, right? And at that point, you know, what would it be? Telehealth or something, something right. like that, right? Like, right. I would also challenge, like at this point, it's out there. Oh yeah. You have to, you may have to go look for it, but it's out there. And that wasn't the case a decade ago, no. but it is now. Mm -hmm. um, and that takes legwork. That's not just someone sending you what a policy looks like or an SOP. That's like, you have to get out there and, and do the boots on the ground work to build those relationships with those providers. I mean, it's not cheap to come to an event like where we're at. No. I mean, it, it, no. it costs a lot of money. To, yeah. I don't know how many people you have here from your agency, but, you know, getting a hotel room and flight, mm -hmm. you know, paying per diem for, who, you know, however much. It, it, it's expensive. But the reality is you don't have to come to one of these to find these kind of resources. Right. These are phone calls away. Yeah. Um, internet clicks away. Yeah. Which is amazing to think about. It really is all, it's all out there. You just have to look. 
Just so picking up the phone and calling a wellness Nicole yeah. saying, hey, I need help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and we're always happy to help however we can. I may not have an answer, but I'll point you to somebody that if they don't have the answer, they'll point you to somebody else. <laughs> right. Okay. So if we if we picked a category of, uh, well, let's pick a hard one. Uh, let's talk about suicide as a predominant problem here. How would how would we how would an agency start addressing? You know, I want to make sure I do everything possible because I've had a scare. Somebody said, you know, I've been thinking about these things. Where do we steer those people? Or I guess like my to add to Brad's question would be. Okay, so before you had everything set up for a call like that, you know, what did you have to change? Yeah, so, well, I mean, again, we have gotten where we are because things were really bad um, and things were done wrong. And so suicide, we, so for us, we have relationships with the local hospitals that will take people in crisis if they're suicidal. And that looks like us saying, you know, we get that phone call. Um, we are never punitive, so uh, we don't ID someone. We don't put somebody under immediate detention uniforms. We do that if they're if they're unwilling to go on their own to the hospital. Um, but building that relationship with your local hospitals. So because when somebody's in crisis, you don't want to have to be like, oh, shit, where's that number? Um, we have a really good relationship with a gentleman that's over one of the behavioral crisis centers. And so like 3 a.m., if Good not guy. if, but He's when I, guy. but when I get the phone call, I mean, he, he answers the phone at 3am and that's because the wellness office has a relationship with him. Again, it's not rocket science. It's, it's relationship building. Sure. Um, and, so and does, does that look like separate entrance esque type thing or is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Does it make it people be, feel more comfortable? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, Hey, they know you're coming. Like they know that what the circumstance is. I mean, we just try to mitigate all of that. So, and that's more crisis response than it is um, proactive in nature. But I think that we do, well, we try to do trainings on like warning signs to supervisors and, you know, like what, what that looks like. I think it's training, it's education, it's, it's messaging about things that we don't generally talk about that nobody wants to talk about. Um, Removing barriers as well. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a big one. I think the private entrance is a great idea, right? Or just letting them kind of know because you're you're releasing each and every because that's a barrier in my head, right? Mm-hmm. If if I'm thinking about it, like I know, I'm just going to use myself for an example. I know the behavioral health hospital close to my home. I have worked with them multiple times, and that would keep me from going there. Yeah, because you know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the front desk. I know the all the reps. Uh-huh. I know some of the doctors. Like it would keep me from being like, okay. I'm feeling suicidal right now. looks like I'm going to need to drive about two hours away. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about people in this space of peer support. Because, I mean, that when we're the ones that are supposed to take care of people and help people, then how do you just, you know, like, yeah, how do you show that level of vulnerability? That's a hard thing. Well, and also we just talked about it, but I think you pointed it out right there is, in the last year or so, I've seen wellness people struggling. Yeah. Uh, that's the hypocrisy of my story. Yeah. You know, working in this mm-hmm. industry for for years and then coming to the full frontal gravity of I'm not okay. Now what? 
Well, it's because you spent all your time on other people. I did. And not on yourself. And like, that is a gallant act and brave, but it also has consequences. But the reality was, I I mean, there was a a self-deception that occurred in that journey as well, which I thought I was taking good care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of self-deception that occurs there with, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of me and everybody else, but didn't realize the spiral that I was going down. Mm -hmm. And, uh, boom, I meet Austin. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it speaks to it too. I mean, two and a half years sober for me, I was the, the most suicidal I've ever been. And that's taking care of myself. I'm working in treatment. I'm doing all these things. And I'm going to bed every night at 6 p.m., waking up, you know, go to work at 5 or whatever, not having a relationship with anyone, living in a basement. It was dark. It was cold. And that was the darkest portion of my life. That's such a hopeless, like, helpless. When, when you feel like you're doing all of the things to take care of yourself, then you know, like, logically, you know these things. But you don't feel them. Mm-mm. I think some of the different uh, pieces now for me are um, being, w- which kind of circles back to something you mentioned earlier, which is being vulnerable to somebody else, you know, really being honest with uh, the the complete wholeness of your life with somebody else saying, I'm struggling today. I'm, I'm, I'm having a, I'm having a shitty day mm. and uh, I just need a minute to vent that out to, because in the wellness industry, we typically didn't do that. I didn't do that before. I shouldn't say we, I didn't do that before. You know, if I was having a bad day, I would retreat within, which is, well, I think it's the danger zone. Yeah. I think it's one of those where I would compare myself to the clients and to other people that were going through very difficult things. And I would say, my life looks pretty good. Right. And so like, I can, I have no excuse to sit and talk to somebody and say, Hey, I'm struggling or Hey, this is what's going on. Because all these other people are having a terrible day. Mm-hmm. They're struggling. They have nothing or they lost their fit, whatever it may Why be. Why am I bitching? Yeah. We're exactly. so good as cops as doing that. Yeah. Like it discredits your own trauma and your own journey. Well, I've never been shot. He's been shot. I don't have the right to feel the way that I do about my life or, you know. Yeah. Comparing separate, traumas. Separate, yeah. separate yeah. the peer yeah. support here. That's Law enforcement as a whole. Absolutely. Right? First responders as a yeah, whole. First yeah. responders oh, as absolutely. a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, Veterans. Yeah. It's, it's that whole game. It's a toxic mindset to have though. Sure. Which has led to us having to be in places like this. Sure. To, to talk about wellness is the fact that they, I mean, I, I bet you 90% of the, the room has done exactly that. Push their own needs mm-hmm. back. In so order so to the circle others. back to that lesson, uh, you know, and I'll just throw it out here and let you guys uh, offer up an opinion on it which is really being vulnerable to somebody else and allowing uh, them the opportunity to give you feedback, true feedback on that space you're in. Uh, you, you're not feeling well. You're not, you know, you're not, you're feeling weird. You know, you're having a bad day. You're, you know, you're in a, you know, in a dark place, but you know, I don't want to tell anybody because I'm part of the wellness team and I'm part of the, you know, whatever that may be. What, uh, what does that look like? How, how do you, how do you embrace that in your own mind and move forward and say, you know what, I'm going to go talk to Nicole or John or Austin. Um, I think it goes back to what Austin was alluding to earlier is you have to fight the desire to isolate. You have to have trusted agents in your life that can speak into your life that you've given permission to do so. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's funny because I told Justin recently, I had noticed at work, I'd been super fucking reactive to things like just from zero to a hundred. And I'm like, this is not normal for mm-hmm. me. And so I told Justin, I was like, can you help be my accountability per- partner for this? Like, if you see me, will you just please say something? And I may not like it, but I'm giving you the permission ahead of time to do so. And so, of course, something happened. And I was like, oh, I was I was losing my shit like in the mm-hmm. office. And Justin goes, as I said before, my therapist's name is Christy. He looks at me. He goes, do I need to call Christy? <laughs> I was like, got it. OK, I got Received. it. Yeah, so the the it's weird though how much effect that actually probably had on you. Yeah, like calmed you down. Yes. probably immediately. It did. I was like, I'm gonna go for a mental health walk. Thank you, Justin. Austin yeah. just did it to me. Not, I don't know. It was maybe a couple of weeks ago. We were visiting about something, and just randomly, is that a resentment? Like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But and, and did you f- kick him in the toe? Uh, well, <laughs> after I, you know, I, I was ir- you're, you're, oh, you're okay. irritated by it first, right? It, it yes. irritates the shit out of you. And yeah. then the realization is, okay, he's got a point. He's, yeah. there's a, you know, thanks. Yeah. But the, the people that are willing to do that in your life are also willing to face the backlash that may come from you right. or me or Brad. Right. Cause that's, I've had that same thing where I'm like, Hey, hold me accountable. And then they do. And I'm like, you know, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't that's ever right. do that again. And then a couple hours later, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry about that whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just needed a minute. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's weird. And and I even do it if you can with your partner, your loved one, whatever it may be. I think it's a super healthy relationship mechanism as well because they're spending a lot of time around you as well. So it's you know your yeah. family and your work. So but that's a hard permission to give. Yes, that's a really hard permission yes. to give. That's that, a hard. Yeah, and that's why I say healthy, right? Because yeah. it's I don't think a lot of people naturally do it. Mm-hmm. But if you can get to that point, it's yeah. good for you. I mean, and that's like, so for us, we when we bring the recruits, loved ones in, whoever their support system is, we bring them in two weekends over the duration of their academy and encourage them to read Gil Martin's book too. Because we can't proofread our own shit sometimes. Like sometimes you just need someone else to say like, you're off, you're off, what's going on? But then you have to be willing to listen to it and internalize that and, you know. Do you find that well received from the families to to be that bold with that information out? And do you do you feel like that's well received from yeah, the families? Yeah. yeah. So, and the reason why I say yes to that is because we get referrals from families mm-hmm. fairly consistent, like consistently, to asking to check in or them asking to come in because they want to better understand what may be going on. And yeah, such a great uh, such a great topic there because that's a that's another rabbit hole you can go down for a hot minute. Um, oh, of, yeah. of just the families, but, uh, you know, I remember building a, a pretty external wall around my family, um, or my career from my family for that. Don't ask me, don't ask me those questions. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't get to do that. What was and that? Was that to I protect like them? It, I felt like it was protection. Yeah. You know, I was protecting them for, and, and of sorts, maybe arguably there was some truth to that, but I don't think so. I mean, what we know now is we can talk about um, the impact of that without talking about the gory details. Right. You know, it's, it's education. You know, mm-hmm. you're talking about, we can talk about, you know, that, that made my heart hurt, you know, really badly and talk about the impact levels of that versus, yeah, I want to tell you about this head that I had to go pick up and mm-hmm. draining its blood out. Those are, you know, those are different conversations. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, we try to encourage um, the recruits. John teaches those classes and, you know, what, where are those boundaries for their loved ones or their spouses? Like, what mm-hmm. is it? Do you, are you okay hearing gory details if, if, mm-hmm. well, not if, when they arise, you know, or do you want it to be more, I mean, less specific and detailed and, yeah. you know, um, cause those things matter. Like, um, when I was in narcotics still and my husband didn't want to know before we served search warrants or before I would go do buys because he's like, well, if something happens, at least I just find out then and I don't have the anxiety worrying if things are okay or not for hours and hours, yeah. you know, so, waiting for your text or and, your call. Yeah. And yeah. that looks different for everybody, but the communication. Yeah. And that's pretty fair on his part. Yeah. Right? I like, respected you know, it. That's, yeah. that's interesting too, because I, I've found um, in most recent, this communication is instant. So everybody mm-hmm. has phones, so they're communicating. Um, I know a couple that got themselves in a bind because he would call and leave his spouse on the phone during the call. And that call, one of those went bad, you know, which ended up in itself produced a, let's start educating our folks on how and why we're using that phone in connection mm-hmm. with our family. And, you know, and what made me think about this, each, each different, each one's different, uniquely different, how they want to interact and communicate. But we still have to, there is a level of protection we have to safeguard our families from. Wellness to call, this has been amazing. If, if you were, let, let's do some, let's do some kind of, as we, as we finish up, this has been um, absolutely wonderful. If you were leaving somebody with a final message, uh, kind of on overviewing what we've talked about, if there's somebody out there that says, hey, I want to, I want to do this, I want to, you know, what what would be your what would be your go to message of just hey here's how to take care of yourself? Uh, we've had some great conversations of this, uh, and this is I mean just the short time. This is a huge topic um, mm-hmm. to try to culminate into just a few seconds. But how do people take care of themselves out there? Yeah, that's a tough question. I think one of the things I find myself telling people frequently is that it's always the long game. Like we're always playing the long game. And back to me being reactive, the one thing that I've learned and I've, I've watched Deputy Chief Cunningham, she's amazing at this, is letting things play out and not thinking we have to fix something right this second. And I think the combination of a wellness officer who is a cop, like we have that to the like nth degree. Somebody brings something to us and we're like, okay, we're going to fix this shit right now. Like, let's go do it. Let's control the process. Let's manhandle this and try to, or woman handle it and get through it. And that's not a real thing. And that's a frustrating thing. And that's been a long journey for me to to, to learn in this space that I'll walk the journey. We walk the journey with people as wellness representatives and officers but we're not saving anyone. We're not fixing anyone. That's that's their journey. We're just lucky enough to get to walk it with them. So, um, well, people people end up making their own decisions yeah, in life, right? Yeah, we can't yeah. control what those decisions that's are, right. good or bad. We just give them the space, yeah, to deal with it or not deal with it. And yeah, and if, so, they, if they make a mistake or they do something wrong, yeah. I mean, you, you are still there to help. That's right. And listen, that's um, John. We send out emails um, from a daily report. So if we see something that seems like extra traumatic, what what the fuck does that even mean either? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So we'll send out emails. John had sent an email, didn't get a response. Three years later, he got an email from 
a person that he had contacted reference some stuff that they had going on in their life. So it's always the long game. Like you have to be in pursuit of your people, let them know you're there on their timeline, not yours. I mean, do you think though that that uh, we obviously can't speak for John, but isn't that something that kind of reignites you a little bit three years later? Oh yeah. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This meant something. Right. Like my job is worth it. I'm making an impact. Yeah. and, And the person not responding to John had nothing to do with John. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that's great messaging for the, for the officers out there that are maybe don't have a wellness program, uh, but they can actually listen to this and hear, this is a long game. This is a marathon. Mm-hmm. I've got to do 20, 25, 30 years in this business. And, you know, we're trained to handle things immediately. It's got to be an immediate fix, calm to chaos. I'm sorry, chaos to calm. And, uh, you know, the reality is, the trauma, our brains, our hearts don't work that way. Right. Uh, so we really need to focus. I love that messaging. And it, it carries over to the individual officers there in the field. So, yeah. Wellness, Nicole, thank yeah. you so much for coming you, on. You will never be known as anything. Yeah. Wellness, wellness, Nicole. Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. Wellness, well, Nicole. Not I'm, Nicole from Wellness. Wellness, Nicole. I've been called way worse things. I think I, Wellness, I, Nicole is I, okay. I do believe that, actually. She's prior to recording. <laughs> yeah. <actually. laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is on the internet forever. That's, That's the okay. difference. It's okay. Yeah. Now I have Ajita. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You've been a delight. You've been, yes, you're tugging at your turtleneck. You're, you've been a delight to have on. Thank, Thank you so you. much for your wisdom, your insight, and, uh, you know, your passion to do this. Yep. Thank you. kind of work. Thanks for having me. Austin, what a, uh, what a fascinating conversation with Nicole. It's, it's always good to have different viewpoints from different departments. Like, it's one of those things where Nicole is extremely knowledgeable and has been around since, you know, wellness was really starting to get initiated in the country. And so it's really cool to see the growth that has happened. Absolutely. Just, uh, and, and, you know, you, you, you hear the depth of it when she talks about uh, really experiencing uh, even professionally, but also a personal level of, of uh, involvement in self-care and the wellness piece as a whole. Absolutely. It's knowledge has helped her extremely because sure. you, you don't see a ton of people last as long as she has in yeah. this space because they just get burnt out. Yeah, It's a tiring job and you put so much on your shoulders. Well, she's a practitioner of it. Yeah, absolutely. And the really cool thing is that, I mean, we've gotten so much feedback on that first episode she did from sure. different departments across the country that have either reached out to her or took what she said in that first one and implemented it into their own department. It's fascinating to hear them talk about the, you know, that's such a small unit uh, taking care of such a large agency and they're doing it, uh, doing it well. Yeah. One of the best out there uh, from my understanding. So, well, great podcast, another great podcast, another great conversation. Uh, Looking forward to our next guest. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as always, if you get the opportunity to do so, give us a like, give us a follow uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of those Check us out at nofapodcast.com. And also, if you guys need anything, remember to reach out uh, either Brad at chatsorecovery.com or Austin at chatsorecovery.com. Thanks. Excellent. See y'all. Thank you for listening to this segment of No One Fights Alone. No One Fights Alone is sponsored by Chateau Recovery is a 16-bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. 
Chateau's First Responder Resiliency Program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their career. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information, or to speak to a representative, go to chateaurecovery.com or call 888-507-5031. No One Fights Alone is also sponsored by First Responder Trauma Counselors. First Responder Trauma Counselors are subject matter experts in proactive behavioral health care for frontline workers through their National Peer Support Academy. This 40-hour all-badges, all-uniforms, and all-scrubs educational experience helps to create caring promise and empathetic peer support relationships with your fellow frontline workers. The FRTC National Peer Support Academy is taught by actual first responders who have gone back to school to become culturally competent, licensed behavioral health clinicians that teach from lived experiences, not just theories from books. This fast-paced immersive educational academy will not just change your life, it will help you save the lives of others. For additional details, visit 991overwatch.org or call 970-222-419-3. This could be the most life-changing academy you'll ever attend.